Hey guys, Brock Cannon here. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 32. At the end of this episode, I actually was going back through my notes and at the bottom of my notes, I had just written very simply, mind blown. <laughs> and that's how I felt after this session. So much awesome information in this. I sat down with the founders of the Flow Consciousness Institute, which you'll know by the end of this podcast, with Jackie Nectel and Justin Fairman. And this was a big, big deal to me because we got into talking about what flow is, how to really tap into your intuition, and just how to create a life that seems the complete opposite of the hustle and the grind, which is so counterintuitive to how we're raised. I know for me it is. It's like, how can that really be possible? And so on this episode, you're going to find that I asked them some very difficult questions because I was challenging them a little bit. And their answers were not only calm, but blew my mind and made complete sense and literally took my consciousness of what I feel is possible to a whole new level. These guys have done it in their lives personally, and they've taught thousands of people around the world, and they've been featured in Fast Company, they've been featured in Forbes. These guys are the real deal, and I think that you're going to get just a ton of value out of this episode, and if you're like me, you're going to want to re-listen to this one a couple of times because it will be mind-blowing. So without further ado, let's get into episode number 32. Thanks, you guys. On today. So Justin, is it Fairman? Yes, you got it right, actually. Nailed it, Justin Fairman and Jackie Ketchnell. Did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> so you knew I was going to be on. You still said my last name wrong. It's Nectel. Nectel. The, the K is silent. <laughs> I, I like that one. That's a new one, Ketchnell. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. There's, you never know how it's going to come out. <laughs> I don't even know how to say it. <laughs> so luckily, these guys are cool with me butchering their names, and they're still talking to me. So very excited to get into this, you guys. Um, both of these people are, are individuals that I've respected from a high level. I've spent time with Jackie in my home. She's close friends with my girlfriend, Shannon, and they're just doing wonderful work. And, and so for our listeners, you guys that aren't super familiar with your work, give us each just a little bit of your, your background, where you grew up kind of just the gist of, of where you were and then how you both kind of merged into the work that you're doing now and whoever wants to start. <laughs> yeah, um, there's no video on this interview, but Jackie's <laughs> pointing at me <laughs> behind the scenes. Okay. Yeah. I went first I just last added time. You. Yeah, I just added you. Um, so I guess I'm, that, that means I'm first here. So, um, so my background uh, as it relates to flow, I'll try and, I'll try and keep this into a nutshell because it's, it's truly a story that spans like 25 years here. But uh, so. Um, my background as it relates to flow in a nutshell is that um, while like when I was about 25, 26, I ended up getting mentored by some really uh, incredible teachers who were, were masters of living in flow, although they didn't really call it that. And, um, you know, they were, they were just living in kind of this, a, a different reality than most people were living in. And they were, you know, having experiences that most people just don't even believe are possible. Um, re living really successful, fulfilled, uh, impactful, purpose-driven, effortless lives, um, uh, among many other things. And that got me fascinated with this idea that there's, you know, uh, different layers of reality based on how we live and think and operate and, and approach it. And so that sent me on a journey basically to kind of decode the mechanics of this kind of special group of people who, who seem to transcend all the normal rules that, that we live, that most people live and operate by and, and start to emerge into this, this higher reality of flow where life starts to conspire in their favor and struggle and suffering are almost non-existent. And, uh, you know, life is this continual series of, of invitations into greater growth and abundance and impact and so on and so forth. So that got me really fascinated with that. And I really wanted to understand like the science of it and the mechanics of it and how it worked psychologically, metaphysically, um, on, on, and any other levels that were present, which there's many. And so that, that got me uh, deep into the, the study of this. And I started to have really profound experiences. I began to apply the things that I was learning that they were teaching me and that led me to start coaching people. Uh, people started to, you know, approach me 
they, they could tell that there was some, some different way that I was living that was, was producing pretty amazing results. And so they started to approach me and I was starting to coach people. And then I started to do speaking and teaching. And, um, and then a few years after that, Jackie and I, uh, our paths crossed. And uh, we had a series of synchronistic encounters, which led to us starting the Flow Consciousness Institute and launching our Flow Mastery program. And uh, all I, I don't want to go too far into that because I, I don't want to step on your toes too much here, Jackie. So maybe you pick up the baton. Yeah, it's coming up on our, our four-year anniversary of Flow Consciousness being birthed. And um, it, it's really a pretty awesome story. So my journey was a bit different. Mine was really uh, kind of began with my own healing journey and uh, overcoming some patterns in my lineage and uh, the death of my brother really kind of was a huge catalyst for me to go on this this long journey of introspection and um, really doing some deep, deep, deep inner work and reprogramming of the things that were holding me back and uh, led me to traveling all over the world where I also encountered different mentors that helped uh, shift my perspective on reality and uh, just kind of get me into this place where I was I was manifesting th- everything that I said would just kind of happen in, in such a effortless way that people started to ask me what I was doing, like how I got to this place where, you know, my life felt really magical and like life was conspiring in my favor. And, you know, it's just really at peace despite what was going on around me and, and um, you know, just had this sense of calm that, that people wanted to know how they could get that. And so I started coaching people and, and working with people and um, doing speaking as well and kind of reverse engineered all of the different methodologies, practices, principles, tools, all of the things that helped get me into this place so that I could then start to teach it to other people. And that's when um, I I got a message from a a woman who had been following my work and she reached out and said she wanted to take me for coffee. She saw I was going to be in New York. I was nomadic at the time. I was just traveling the world and I made a post that I was going to be in New York and she and I met up and I was sharing with her about flow. And she's like, Oh, you need to know my coach, Justin, he talks about flow just like you do. And Justin and I got on a call and it was like, Whoa, like, how did you come to this? And just exploring the synergies. um, I had invited him to Joshua tree to a small gathering that I curated, uh, a group of people to go to the Integratron for a, a sound bath and, and just connect in the desert. And uh, that was four years ago, almost to the day. And uh, when we met, it was like, we just had this knowing that we needed to do this work together. And uh, here we are now. Wow. So I want to back up a little bit. So and, and first of all, I love I love your story. And Jackie, I've, I've heard yours more than Justin's, and I can see how you guys came together so so magically. And you know, I I have been a believer of flow and you know the law of attraction and synchronicities of the universe, and and basically just this 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 mental state of also believing exactly as you guys do that good things are are plotted against us, but. For a lot of our listeners, I know you guys run into this all the time as you speak, there's skeptics out there. There's people that, you know, could hear your story and they're like, this is bullshit. You know, how is this yeah. possible? We I've love had a those life. people. I've been abused. I've been, yeah. I've been bankrupt. I've, I've done this. I've done that. These guys are just the lucky ones. So tell us, and I, I'm not going to even ask all the questions because I know you guys have heard this, but for the skeptics out there maybe even those listening right now, how is a magical life like this possible? And did you always believe it? And if not, talk to us a little bit more about those shifts. Yeah. Um, how is it possible? That's a big question. I, we can break it down in a pretty tangible way though. Um, but I think your, your other questions kind of paint a nice segue into answering that one, which is that uh, I was not always living uh, such a, an effortless and amazing life. And I had plenty of struggle and, and suffering in my life. 
that what was really the segue into this amazing life of flow that I have now, like looking back, I don't know if I would have ended up here had I had a really like kind of vanilla middle of the road life. I'm pretty certain that yeah. there's no way I would have. Yeah. Like I would say that I'm not, it doesn't have to be like that. It's absolutely possible to just learn how to live in flow and it works regardless of what your previous background is. However, most people tend to have kind of seminal life experiences that are challenging in nature that are ultimately that can be gateways to flow, which paints this really beautiful picture that like life uh, reality is actually conspiring to get us to live into flow. Uh, you know, flow is flow is not something that we invented. It's not something that Mihai Csikszentmihalyi invented. Flow was discovered as a concept by you know Taoist and, and Buddhist monks and Zen monks observing the nature of reality, you know, meditating back in the day in pristine nature in these monasteries and kind of observing, observing nature and animals and plants and, and the elements and noticing that there was this perfect balance and harmony and flow in mm -hmm. all of those things. And I think we get disconnected in the sense that like, you know, especially for someone who's born in a city and never really gets out of nature, we forget that that's where we come from, that at our essence, we are of nature and we therefore are, you know, unless we use our minds to really get ourselves way out of balance with it, we, we have that same intrinsic drive to be in harmony with all things, to be in flow with all things. So, you know, challenging experiences are often gateways to flow for people because they snap, they can often snap people out of this reality of struggle and suffering that they may be mired in. And th that can be the catalyst. You know, most people choose to grow um, from a place of, being pushed to how would how would you say this Jackie like most people most people don't choose to to embrace change and to grow proactively most people right. wait until situations and conditions get so bad that there's no other solution but to change because the pain and suffering is too intense so right. in our experience like that pain and suffering is always an invitation to flow it's always trying to guide us back into harmony with this greater flow that's present and everything else besides humanity to some degree. But that's the thing, it's really this shift in perception that you know, if all of these challenges are coming your way, rather than taking that as evidence that your life isn't working and compounding that belief that you know, you're, you're a victim of life and all of these terrible things, it's really shifting that perspective and getting curious about the things that are happening and paying more attention to them and seeing them as an invitation into growth because you know they they really are and for me you know i've endured so much challenge and so much hardship and i i'm i'm very certain that if i didn't have that experience or you know the the challenges that i faced in my childhood or the death of my brother if I didn't have those, I would be living a very different life now because it took those experiences because I, I ignored all of the, the smaller things that were happening that were telling me that, uh, you know, I needed to really shift my life and make changes and look within. Um, and, but it took the big things to really awaken me to that. But now having a shift in perspective, you see that, you know, these things are going to happen in life regardless of if you're living in flow or not. You're going to have, you know, challenging experiences. Yeah, loved ones are going to die. There's going to be uh, heartache. There's going to be, you know, you end up sick or in the hospital. There's, there's different things that we're going to encounter. Uh, but there's really a gift in those. And so Justin and I actually met and dropped in because I was, I ended up in the hospital in Santa Barbara when I came to visit him. So on the surface, here's this thing that looks like my life is falling apart. I was in the worst pain of my life. I was completely uncertain what was happening to my body. And, you know, I was on the other side of the country. I grew up in New York. So my, my family was all on the East coast. I didn't really know anyone here. I was just passing through Santa Barbara and we were going to link up and, and drop in and see where the synergy was. But then, you know, when I got to his house, I was in so much pain that I ended up in the emergency room and then hospitalized for five days. But it's because we had those five days together because he and his girlfriend came every day to spend time with me that we realized 
that there was this connection there and that we needed to do this work together. So it was like that experience needed to happen in order for us to have the time to drop in and come together to be able to birth this work in the world. So on one level, it seems like, you know, this shouldn't be happening and this is a bad thing. And on a, a larger perspective, you know, it's easier to see in hindsight, we can look back at these things and see, oh, well, that actually happened for me. So I can see that about my brother's death now. At the time, it was so traumatic for me and, and really painful. But now I can see that my brother's death was a catalyst for my awakening. And, you know, the reason that I'm now aligned with this passion and purpose in the world to help others so that they can have the same perspective of, of living in flow without having to experience tremendous tragedy or loss, that you can have the same awakening experience without having to go through all of the challenge and suffering. Well, that's, that's beautifully said, and I, I appreciate you guys both clarifying a lot about that. So one of the big takeaways that, that I just wrote down here is that, so experiencing pain, if we view it right, can actually be the catalyst of, of getting our lives into that flow and into that awakening. Is that right? Am I understanding you guys correctly there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like to take it really deep, like every moment, every experience you have is an invitation into that, regardless of whether it's one of struggle, challenge, or suffering, or joy, or whatever. But yes, in a nutshell, yes to your question. And also just to clarify too that like, you know, we kind of approached that, the answer to that question from a, a point, an angle that we don't always go into it from. But, you know, to clarify, you don't have to be in struggle and suffering, or you don't have to come from that place to get into flow. And 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 so you know, oftentimes people like we. we I guess I'm saying that because we don't want people to take on the belief that they have to have an experience like that to get in flow. Because Absolutely because does. the 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 actual answer to your first question is more so that like you know our perception creates our reality on a lot of different levels, and so our beliefs are essentially creating our reality, and 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 our beliefs are the biggest determinant of how our lives unfold and how much flow we're living in to varying degrees, and so. Um, so we want to make sure that people don't take on the belief that, oh, great, I have, like in order to get into flow, I have to be having challenging experiences or suffering experiences because that's, that's not the case. That's just been our journey. And a lot of people experience that, but not everybody. Yeah, my new belief is that I learned my life lessons with ease and grace. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it's like a that. way more flow-enhancing belief to have. So I, I like this, you guys. There's there's people, obviously, and I've certainly been guilty of it, where we see our our struggles, our challenges, the things that have quote unquote happened to us as as ultimately this victim mentality. You know, it wasn't our fault. How does one shift from that victim mentality into truly seeing every single challenge in life as a gift? Because it's sure as hard as hell when you're in the challenge <laughs> to see it like that. So. What have been some of the things that, that you guys have found to be effective for helping shift from the victim mentality into that just conscious, this is a gift mentality? Yeah, well, I, I think um, just the invitation to everyone to start to take radical responsibility for what's showing up in their reality and being able to use the experiences you're having, the emotional world that you're experiencing as an opportunity to reverse engineer, to look back to see what beliefs and perceptions you're holding onto that are creating this experience of your reality. So we work with a, a framework called BETDAR, and it it's, stands for Beliefs, Emotions, Thoughts, Decisions, Actions, and Results. And so you can start to reverse engineer your reality to see what are the underlying beliefs. So, you know, for example, um, if you have a belief that the world is a dangerous place, that's going to create an emotional experience of fear, paranoia, feeling contracted, anxious. If you're out in the world, you're not going to trust people. You're um, going to be wary of of going certain places and it's really just going to stir up all of these 
thoughts that are reflecting that belief that the world is a dangerous place. And so it's going to limit the, the actions, how much you travel, how much you interact with, with new people, um, and ultimately limit your experience of reality. And that's a very commonly held belief. Um, and there's tons of evidence to back it up. If you look at the news, if you ask right. around, there's you know so much evidence that you could say that the world is a dangerous place. And you know another experience is that the world is a safe place. And both of these realities exist concurrently. So which one is real? You know, I've traveled all over the world and have had virtually no incidents where bad things have happened because I hold on to the belief that the world is a, a safe place and people are inherently good. And so I have experiences that are in alignment with that. I feel um, trusting and open and, you know, I welcome in all of these new experiences and I've lived in so many other cultures because I have that belief and both realities exist. Um, but one is going to create constriction and contraction and really get in the way of you experiencing flow and really living life fully. And one is going to enhance your life and, you know, allow for more flow, more opportunities, more connections, more love. And so it's always a choice. And that's the cool thing is when you're taking radical responsibility for your life, you always get to choose and you get to choose an empowering belief or a disempowering belief. So I, I love that. And I agree with that, Jackie. And, 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 but what about the person that's out there and they're, and they've worked their ass off. They get into this flow state. They truly start to change their beliefs where, you know, the world is a safe place or I am trusting the people or, or whatever the case may be. But then God forbid, let's say they get robbed or their business partner steals their money or, or something like that happens. How how do you shift from that? How, how, do they, how does one maintain that strong belief that, you know, the world's still a good place, essentially, and trying to do good to me if and when something like that happens? And has anything like that happened to you since you've been in this state? And how did you recover from that? Yeah, so there's two, there's basically two layers of things that could be going on there. The first is that the nature of the unconscious nature of, of our minds is such that we often that we, we do have thousands of beliefs. And so you can't, it's not always as simple as saying like, okay, well, I'm just going to believe that the world's a safe place. And therefore it then becomes safe. Because you may very well believe that's true. But if you also have, you know, a deep, deep uh, belief that you're not worthy of good things happening to you, then that's in conflict to some degree with the belief that the world is a safe place. And so you can still be setting the stage to have experiences that are not fully in sync with one specific belief if you have a bunch of other beliefs that are out of sync with it. So it's really important in the journey into the highest levels of flow to be really thorough in excavating the, the unconscious mind to really address anything that be, could be creating limits or struggle and suffering in your reality. And this is a part of the process that we take people through when they come into our world and they work with us is that we have been mapping the unconscious for many, many years and tracking these beliefs that create struggle and suffering in people's reality. And there's an amazing degree of commonality between people. I mean, most of the beliefs that we found pretty much 80 to 90% or more of the people that come across, come across, we come across have them. Because they're just part, they're inherited from our culture, they're inherited from our parents, they're inherited from media, from society. They're systemic belief structures that are embedded into us by any number of factors. So it's really common to have them these days. And so a big part of that work is deprogramming people from these mindsets and really making sure that you're thorough in that journey so that you're not leaving stones unturned that could come up and create situations in the future. So that's one layer. Another layer is that... Um, People oftentimes don't take things in the proper context. There's a, there's a saying that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And there's even a parable. There's a Sufi parable that says, good luck, bad luck, who knows, right? And it's a story of this boy who is out riding his horse one day and he falls off. The horse, you know, gets startled and it flings him off and he breaks his leg. 
and he has to, you know, limp his way back to town and he gets back to town and all of the villagers are saying, oh, what a tragedy, you know, to the, they're, they're saying this to this guy, the, the kid's father, oh, what a tragedy, your son has broken his legs and the father goes, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And then a few days later, um, you know, the commander of the military comes into the village and is like knocking on everyone's doors. Like, I need all able, able-bodied young men to come to the front lines to fight in this horrific battle. And because the kid has a broken leg, he can't go fight. And the villagers come back to the hut and say, wow, what, what a blessing that your son broke his, his, his leg. And the father goes, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And it's, it's this really beautiful allegory kind of painting the nature of reality, which is that it's tempting in a short-term view to look at something like getting money embezzled or, you know, having some, some kind of challenging thing happen. It's common to look at that and go, oh, it's a bad thing. But the truth is, is that when you take a long-term view on things, you don't know how that's adjusting your flow through life that may set you up in the future for really beautiful things to happen. Like Jackie's story about going into the hospital on the surface, it seemed like something that was really terrible, but what it actually was, was an opportunity for her to slow down and spend enough time in Santa Barbara for us to connect. And so we're not saying that everyone has to smoke the hopium of, oh, maybe something will be better for me in the future. But the truth is, is that um, when you start to reprogram your beliefs and you start to live in flow and, and, and get uh, in this program, on this program, then what happens is these things actually are conspiring in your favor. And you start to see how all of these experiences are connected. And they do actually, they are actually shifting you into timelines that are much more beneficial for you. And that is happening consistently. And that's, that's part of this belief that life is conspiring in our favor. And it's an inherent, it's an inherent property of reality that everything moves towards uh, greater harmony, homeostasis, flow and complexity. And so that, that same pattern is applying in our lives. And if we're wise, then we pay attention to it and we surrender to it. And we say, we look for the silver lining in these situations and say, wow, what is something beautiful here that's happening that is trying to bring me into more flow? Maybe your partner was embezzling money from you and that revealed that he was a really bad partner and you got out of that business before it got way more developed and way more money was on the line. So you, you, know, you found that out. I yeah. mean, that actually happened with one of our clients who she came to us and her, her business partner embezzled everything that they had raised for the company that was like her biggest passion in the world and this huge social impact project. And so she came to us super deflated because, you know, she didn't know how to proceed and she didn't trust people. And, um, you know, in, within a matter of weeks of just doing some deep reprogramming. And when we work with people, we work at the mental, emotional, energetic, and physical level and really work to reprogram all of the emotional patterns, the beliefs, the trauma, the things that keep people reacting to life instead of responding to life so that you become responsible, responsible, and you're able to objectively step back and look at things. And you know, she had a pr profound shift in, um, in just how she was showing up that then, you know, within weeks she was um, invited into the Singularity University Incubator. And there she met her new business partner and CTO who um, is working with the blockchain and exponential technology. And she's being mentored by Dr. Yvonne Cagle, who is a, a NASA astronaut. Um, and then she got a, a scholarship to Tim Draper University and just all of these incredible things came out of that and, and really became fully aligned. And now she's doing this amazing pilot program in Puerto Rico, working with um, communities impacted by natural disasters. And, you know, when, when the pilot goes well, um, she's got you know, the potential to partner with Tim Draper or the UN or um, the Puerto Rican government, all of these incredible people. So it's like the thing that looked on the surface like it shouldn't have happened was kind of repositioning her in space and time to be more fully aligned with the right people, the right resources in order to make this happen in a way that um, was more beneficial for her. Right. No, and that's a that's a beautiful example there. And I I think I can definitely think of a lot of things in my life where at the time they seemed like misfortunes or, or things that I did not like in the moment. 
but later ended up being what fostered something brand new and that was that was better and worked in my favor. So I, I completely get that principle. I want to ask you guys a really strange question that I think about all the time. And I'd love to get your, your good. feedback on this. <laughs> strange is good. We like it. Yeah. This is really this is a weird question. So I'm just going to lay it out how I see it. I struggle with this, you guys. I, I feel like I understand as humans, we have responsibility to control our own actions and it is our responsibility. We have the ability to be proactive versus reactive. We can, we can try as hard as we want to, to accomplish the things that we want to in our lives. With that said, <laughs> I can look back over my whole life and I feel like sometimes there's been a force greater than me, whether I saw it as good or not, that knocked me on my ass, changed directions in, in the course of my life, and so I struggle with this. I wonder, are we in control or are we not in control? <laughs> uh, yeah. Is there a force that is greater than us that's, and I, I believe it to be good. Call it God or source or the universe or whatever your higher power is. But I believe it to be good because I can look back in my life and it's like, that source had my back in that moment. And I didn't even understand it, but I'm really grateful for that now. And it's like, they were calling the shots in a way. But is that true? Because as humans, we seek to control everything and we think we're in control. So where's, where, where's the reality and how do you both see that? If I'm even making sense. Okay. Well, <laughs> to your strange question, I have a strange answer. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it depends on what layer you want to look at this from. Um, because there is a layer of paradox there, um, which is like an inherent property of our reality. The, the dance between give, control. Give me all the layers, Justin. Give me all yeah. the layers. All the well, layers. okay, okay. So, so let's let's take it let's take it out to a metaphysical layer, transpersonal layer, right? If we're going to look at this through the lens of like transpersonal psychology, okay, or in the lens of metaphysics, each person has a soul, and that soul is actually you. You you are an extension, like you in this physical incarnation as Brock are an extension of the soul, but that soul is still you, but ostensibly a higher aspect of you. So there's a line of thinking in, in the metaphysical, spiritual, transpersonal space um, that when we don't know what's best for ourselves, oftentimes our soul, will, our soul will intervene, right? So we typically operate from the unconscious. If we're wise, we learn to tap into our intuition, which is the superconscious, a much, much better tool for navigating reality. And when we're lucky and we're blessed, the soul intervenes, which is the wisest aspect of any part of ourselves, and says, okay, you know, through, through syn synchronicity or serendipity or fortuitousness or whatever, or through the wise guiding hand at that level, you know, right now, there's an opportunity to guide you into more flow in a way that you can't understand because it's operating from such a high perspective that sees into past, present, and future that, you know, it's, it kind of transcends the limited nature of the conscious mind. So there, that's one answer to that question. I mean, we could slice and dice this thing to the moon <laughs> and back. We could talk about the quantum physics interpretation of it and the retro causality and all kinds of crazy <laughs> stuff. But like in my experience, that's the perspective that I like to take because um, there's a lot of data to back it up. It's been my personal experience and, you know, it doesn't require us to believe in like uh, uh, an outside of ourselves higher power, but really just a wiser part of ourselves that might be intervening in situations like this. Yeah, and I think I, that I'm bored with that. I like that. I think the more we learn to surrender control, and I say this as a recovered or recovering control freak, you know, I was micromanaging every aspect of my life because I didn't trust life. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust other people. And um, I really needed that control and that sense of security and stability, you know, that false illusory sense that I could um, maintain that level of controlling my life so that it wouldn't all fall apart. Um, but the more I healed, the more I did the inner work, the more I reprogrammed all of those faulty conditioning patterns and the things that were creating that need or desire for safety, security, control, whatever, um, the more I could relax and surrender and learn to trust life and allow life to flow through me instead of trying to make things happen. And that's when, you know, um, 
kind of this bigger purpose came through. This is not something I ever imagined I would choose for myself, but I think on that soul level, you know, there was something, something deeper guiding me, but, you know, we think we have free will and uh, we live in a free will universe, but if we have a lot of unconscious programming and conditioning, we're going to be operating from that place. So we're going to be making these choices, but it, it's our trauma or this unconscious patterning that's often driving our decision-making. So the more we process that and work through those layers, the more we can tap into uh, you know, a more aligned place that's attuned to the superconscious or you know, this higher self. Mm-hmm. So you talked about surrender in there. This leads to my next question, because this is one I certainly struggle with, seeking to be in control of a lot of things as well. Working on it. What does it mean to both of you to surrender and how do we do it? Because it's so damn hard. <laughs> wow. You can yes and no. It's as hard as we make it. Um, there's a belief right yeah, there. Yeah, technically it's the easiest thing ever. Surrendering like is hard. You mean like letting go and, like, and just not, like and just like not holding on tightly. Yeah, give I it, don't know if we need some rewiring here, you guys. Yeah, give, yeah. Give, give there's there's belief number one. Yeah, it's it's much it's yeah. actually much harder to, to try and control everything. Um, yeah. and hold it all together. Um and uh and so I mean for me, this is definitely something I've really been meditating a lot on lately. Um it's a core part of what we teach around flow, but I've been invited into whole new depths of it myself. And so it's definitely been something that I've been really, really present to. Um, but basically our perspective in flow is like, there's a lot of nuance in surrender. And I think a lot of people like look at it as just like giving up control. And then that makes them go into these like places of existential fear that like, you know, they're going to lose everything that they have and how will they support themselves? And is their entire life going to go off the rails and everything they love, they're going to end up, you know, having to be in situations of things that they, that they really don't desire or enjoy. And that's like a really like 101 level understanding of surrender. The- yeah, there's a distinction between like giving up and surrender. You know, it's like this image of waving the white flag. So people yeah. have this idea that surrender means you're like basically giving your power away. And, right. uh, and, and so that's, that's a really disempowering way to view it. So it's not, it's not that giving up flavor. Yeah, it's not so. So that's like that's like how most people conceive surrender is the exact opposite of control, which it's actually not the exact opposite of control. True surrender is a is an integrated form of control and surrender, where you use the right tool for the right job at the right time. You're actually not surrendering everything. You're surrendering to living from a different place in your psyche, a place that's wiser than your conscious mind. And this is, and we've kind of hinted at this in our last answer. We're talking about the super conscious, right? This is our intuition. Okay. And our, our intuition is essentially an, an aspect of our own mind, an as, a higher aspect of our mind that is quantum in nature and is able to operate at levels far beyond the capacity of our, our conscious rational mind or even our unconscious mind. And so, uh, you know, like research into intuition has shown that our conscious mind can process about, depending on the research you're looking at, anywhere from like 10 to 10,000 bits of data per second. Our, our intuition, on the other hand, can process around, you know, 40 to 60 million bits of data per second. So we're talking like a thousand X order of magnitude greater than our minds can. Okay. So when we, when we say surrender, what we really mean is you're surrendering to your intuition. Which is, which is a much wiser and more accurate part of yourself based on the amount of data that it can synthesize, okay? But the challenge with intuition is that because it's drawing from so, so much bigger of a data set and it's even able to read into the future and, and see, pull, pull data from things that, you know, sensibly haven't happened yet, okay? What happens is when we take that information and pull it back into our conscious mind that can only handle 10 bits of data, when we try and take 60 million bits of data and put it into and and filter it down to 10 bits of data, we just cannot see all the factors that our intuition takes into account that Mm. are, are beyond our conscious mind. So what happens is we think, well, I can't see how that can happen with my conscious mind, so I don't trust it. It doesn't make sense how I get from here to there. So what ends up happening is then we think that it's a bad move and we don't do it. But the truth is, is that when you surrender to your intuition, you are surrendering your trust to this higher capacity 
that's within you. And, and so you're not actually just letting go and hoping everything works out. You're actually shifting into a whole different aspect of yourself that knows how to run your life much, much, much better than you, your conscious mind actually does. And when you do that, what happens when you surrender is life gets exponentially better <laughs> and everything, all, all the struggle and suffering, you know, that starts to go down significantly because now you're, you're, you're trusting this part of yourself that has an infinitely better grasp on what's the most effortless path forward. Wow. All right. Well, you just blew my mind with that. I'm going to need to listen to that five more times. Hide <laughs> from that. So I think, I think everyone listening can relate to, to what their intuition is. Um, I grew up in a very religious environment. I was taught that there's this thing called the Holy Ghost. It is this still small voice that whispers to your soul, which tells you what is right and what is wrong. That's probably still ingrained to me to some degree. And I, and I do believe there's times when I'm trying to listen to my intuition or my gut, as we call it, that you feel something, you feel something different. It, it feels peaceful. It feels right. It seems to make sense. But how else do we recognize that intuition when it's trying to speak to us? What have you both found? Yeah, well, the thing is, um, intuition doesn't always make sense. So that's awesome when it does. But that's the piece that trips people up a lot is intuition is nonlinear. Because, you know, the way Justin described it, it's interfacing with the quantum. So you're it might take you to on this big leap that doesn't make logical, rational sense. So mm. it can be really difficult to act on that because it, it's just so absurd. Um, so often it's, it's not making sense or, you know, people have so much uh, noise in their nervous system. So there's a lot of still existing trauma patterns or stuck energy uh, limiting beliefs, the emotional patterns, things like that. If they haven't done a lot of the, the inner work, uh, there's a lot of static and noise in the system that clouds the signal. Or, um, you know, if you're eating a lot of toxic processed food or, uh, you know, that we're living in a, a sea of EMFs and chemicals. So if there's a lot of that, that's going to also be clouding your ability to tap into that felt sense because your intuition is, is just a sensation. And so, you know, maybe it's in your gut, maybe you experience it somewhere else. Everyone's going to have their own unique intuitional signature. So getting clear on, on what that looks like for you. Um, so tuning into that felt sensation when you're going to make a decision, noticing what you feel in your body, does it feel like something is expansive when you're considering it. Does it feel um, like you get, you get energy or you feel heat or what is, what is that sensation? Does it feel heavy, contracting, constricting? So your felt sense is going to tell you, you know, if it feels expansive, light, freeing, that's going to tell you to move toward that decision. And if it feels heavy, constricting, dark, contracting that's your intuition telling you to move away from that decision so you start to learn how to tune into that felt sensation um, but then you know that's actually often the easy part but it's taking action from that place that becomes tricky because then you know you feel the felt sense but then right away it goes up into the mind and you start rationalizing it and think oh is this really possible how could i do that and all of the limiting beliefs and fear and all of those things start to come in and you interpret the felt sense through the lens of your limiting beliefs and your perceptions and things like that so you know sometimes tuning is the easy part and then taking action can be the hard part that's a really good clarification. Um, and, and so I think you're right. That's what makes intuition tricky because we, we don't always recognize it as what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It's not always obvious. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, it's a practice. Like we're, we're born intuitive beings. We all have this felt sense as our fundamental biological wiring. Um, but we've become so desensitized to it or, you know, trained by society to value our logic and reason over our intuition. So it's like we all have the capacity, but we kind of have to relearn how to tune into it. 
that's really beautifully said. Um, one, one thing I've been not only pondering really, really at a high level the last six months of my life, but seeking to really make a conscious move towards this. And it's just to live our lives more from that place of intuition and not based on the opinions and external validation of other people. And, you know, as we all know, we're in this world now where we all desperately seek this validation, whether that's on social media or from whatever platform, how have you both been able to listen more to that intuition within yourselves and what advice would you give to other people to not just seek external validation, but to get quiet inside and to be able to better understand and trust themselves more? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that, a big that, question. It's a big question, somewhat of a tall order these days. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where we we like to invite people into an experiment of following their intuition because you know we can talk about it all day, but you, it's where the rubber meets the road that you start to experience the magic. And I mean, what I could tell people is like, look, you know, when you follow when you live from your intuition, like your life becomes so incredible. It gets so amazing. And, and your growth, your trajectory, like everything, your wildest dreams are, are waiting deep in the space of following your intuition. That's, that's, where you, that's where you get to that point. So if that's appealing to you on, on any level, then your intuition is the fastest way to get there. Uh, social media is going to pull you, you know, there's, there's great teachers. There's, I don't, I don't want to bash social media because there's a lot of great things from it. It's like any technology, there's really positive aspects and there's also negative aspects, you know, it can be used for good or bad. And, um, and so there's a lot of like social media is in some ways is a real enabler of consciousness and synchronicity and intuition. And, and it's been a great tool for us, but there's definitely a fine line there that you have to be careful of because it can turn into comparisonville, you know, where you see people that are just giving these snapshots into their lives that don't really represent the full spectrum of what they experience, but they're able to make it look like, oh, everything's perfect. Wow, everything's so great. And that can become a trap because it can, it can end up sending you into comparison mode where you start to get into these negative spirals about your self-worth. And then obviously that contributes to your limiting beliefs and then that has negative effects. So I would say, you know, for me, social media is like to be used very judiciously. And um, if it ever starts to make you feel bad, turn it off and just go meditate for a bit and go do something you love and then come back to it another time. But also using those kind of triggered emotional states, like if you're, if you're feeling that comparison or not enoughness or unworthiness when you're using social media or you notice that you're looking for likes or uh, seeking that validation. Again, that's an invitation for you to look within and see what's creating that. And, you know, coming back to that piece of doing the inner work and, and instead of getting frustrated that you're having that negative emotional experience and instead of repressing it, not wanting to experience it, pushing it away, uh, you know, avoiding it by using food, drugs, alcohol, whatever form of, avoidance, uh, just really digging into it and being with that emotion and that feeling and, and asking it, you know, what, what must I believe in order to be having this experience? And it's an opportunity to do some really deep work. So Jackie, I want to stop you because I, I know for me, at least I'm starting to think that I understand what that inner work actually means, you know, what are those practices that actually help me to develop and look inward more. But for those that are listening and are wondering, what the hell is inner work? Like, what does that look like? Is that, you know, Justin's mentioned meditation. I'm a big journaler. You know, what does inner work look like? How does one do the work to look inward? Yeah, I mean, there's infinite ways that that it could look it could be sitting in nature it could be meditation it could be journaling it could be reading personal development books it could be working with a coach or mentor or therapist it could be doing you know different programs there's so many different ways um so it's it's really this is where your your intuition becomes really important and tuning into uh 
what you feel drawn to, like teachers that you feel resonance with or, you know, reading a, a, a book that resonates with you and, and seeing what you're drawn to because everyone's path is going to be different. Yeah. It's really a Pandora's box. You know, there's a million different ways to do it. What, what our journey has been and what, what we've found with flow is that, you know, it, it can be a, a somewhat mysterious process and it can be, um, it can be, it, there's a lot there. Let's put it that way. You know, this is, this is something that, you know, um, people train in, they get PhDs in to be able to help people facilitate this and things like psychotherapy and stuff like that. So it's definitely, there's a, there's a lot there, but what we've, what, what our perspective is on it is that, you know, it's, it's through doing this inner work, really looking within that we ultimately become liberated. And it's one of the key access points for flow, not the only access point we've talked about some of the other ones, but it's, it's a very important one because the inner work is really about going into the unconscious and looking and exa- at examining those things that don't serve us and really healing and integrating those parts and then transcending into like a higher perspective that allows us to really become more, you know, uh, whole and, and more happy and more loving and just better humans. And yeah. And it, it puts you in touch with that place, which is your natural state of, of being in peace and um, equanimity and love and gratitude because that's our natural state and anything else is a distortion. And so as you start to work through those and heal, you come back to that place where you no longer seek things outside of yourself to source that love or source that gratitude or source that joy because that's who you are and there's nothing in the way of that anymore. Yeah, and so we think that's pretty important. And in fact, we see that as like a key lever in transitioning us from this somewhat self-destructive, conflicted, embattled, you know, uh, environmentally destructive civilization and society into more of a golden age where we're able to live in peace and harmony and abundance. And we know how to share and we know how to be kind neighbors and all of these great things where we can really live in flow systemically. So we think this is actually like a really important piece of that. And so our, our inquiry is how do we make this process as easy, as fast, and as effortless as possible? How do we demystify it so that people can say like, hey, you know what? I'm ready for that because I know it gets me into flow and it, it's really good for everyone else and the whole planet. And so, um, so our journey has been searching and, and just going down all the rabbit holes of the inner work space and figuring out what are the most effective tools and practices and, and, and how do we combine those and put them together and develop new ones to fill in the gaps that allow us to go through that journey of inner work with that, with minimum struggle, minimum suffering, maximum results, maximum flow. And uh, so, so, so that's, that's a big part of what we do is we help people to, to do that in a way that allows them to have the life that they want and to, uh, you know, to, to not have to be chasing their tails for many years. So sometimes that does happen since it's such a murky path. So. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's what I, I really love and respect about what you guys have done is is you've you've asked all of these hard questions, you've gone through it yourselves, and you both had your own journey and, and furthermore you've taught now hundreds, if not thousands, of people how how to do this and tap into this. So tell us just a little bit more as we kind of come to a close here about some of the programs you guys have developed. I know you're speaking, I know you're doing workshops. But tell us, tell our listeners and everyone just a little bit more about some of your programs. And um, we're certainly going to have some links with how people can get in touch with you guys here. Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, we have all of the information on our website, flowconsciousness.com. We have our core eight-week online training, which is Flow Mastery. And we have level one and level two of that. We're developing um, a train-the-trainer program for that as we speak. So that way people can teach this work out in the world. Uh, We have a flow for founders program. We work with a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly social impact entrepreneurs and founders uh, and leaders of industries. So we have a a program specifically for them. Uh, We do on-site trainings for companies. We speak and teach all over the world at different events and conferences. So there's lots of different ways we do immersions and in Santa Barbara or around the world, we're a three-day deep dive with people who want to really take it deep. We work one-on-one with people. There's 
all the ways. I love it. I love it. So we'll have links to your, your website, you guys. Um, I love it. It looks like, and, and I was just scrolling through earlier. I mean, you guys do some really, really cool stuff and uh, a lot of it right here in beautiful Santa Barbara. And That's right. Not from the Santa Barbara. It does not suck to visit. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does not suck. It's paradise. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and then for people that just want to say hello to you guys, what's the easiest way on the World Wide Web to say hello to you guys? Um, yeah, you can just connect with us on all the socials, uh, connect with us through the website. That's probably the best way. Yeah, or uh, Instagram, uh, all the social media channels that we just found. <laughs> yeah. Come find us on there. Yeah. Um, Don't get distracted. The, and... This is a good use. I promise we only we will only fill your feed with flow enhancing things. So uh, if you want a source of you know positive positivity through all the comparison noise, come find us on on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So <laughs> I love it, you guys. I. Um... I, I seriously need to re-listen to this episode like five times. There's, there's been so much in here. I'm going to break this all down and, and, and have notes and links and show notes for everybody. And I'm super excited. And I would, I would absolutely love to have you guys back on the podcast in, in a couple months because I know we could talk probably for another two or four days, maybe. So. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so. Yeah, we just, we just opened Pandora's box. There's, you know, lots of places we could go. So last question, you guys, and we can close on this. If somebody wants to just make one very small shift today, maybe right after they're done listening to this, in order to just step a little bit closer into a happier flow state of being, what would be one thing you would recommend them to do today? Um, yeah. Uh, I, well, I'll, I'll give my answer and Jackie can give her answer. Um, you know, that question would be just to radically follow your bliss, like spend the next week just doing what brings you the most joy and excitement and feels good and just see where you end up. Uh, and you might just find some flow in there. Yeah. That's what we typically recommend for people or, you know, invite them into that. You know, we said it with intuition before, but when you're just radically following your excitement for every decision that you're making throughout the day. It's such a potent practice and it sounds so easy on the surface, you know, just do the things that inspire you and light you up. But that might look like, uh, what day's today? Today's a Monday, you know, um, for us that might look like, Hey, we want to go to the beach. And, you know, for someone else, they might have that inspiration to go to the beach, but they're like, oh, well, I can't because I have to work. I have to, you know, I have this to-do list and all of these things. So when you're following your excitement, it quickly will show you all of the places where you're holding on to limiting beliefs or what your, the edges of your comfort zone are. So it, it's a really powerful way to take you to those places that will give you uh, some places to explore. So radically following your excitement for the week. Hmm. Or the rest of your life. Well, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so not fight that. Actually listen to that, follow that bliss, and uh, some really good things might just happen. I yeah. Like that. There's a reason why it feels blissful. <laughs> so. Yeah. And then report back to us because we've had some incredible stories just from that one thing people have you know had incredible relationships and just beautiful things have happened so please share your stories with us i love it you guys justin jackie thank you guys so much this has been an absolute pleasure thank you for sharing your wisdom thank you for your work i'm gonna have to listen to this so many more times thank you <laughs> that'll be your highest excitement for the next yeah <laughs> just, just just put us on loop yeah well, it was, it was our pleasure, man. This was a great podcast. I really love your style. And um, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, you're awesome. Thanks, Brock. Thank you, guys. And everyone will see you again. Bye.
Thanks for listening, you guys. Are you just saying, wow, right now? (laughs) Like, mind blown, like I said. I promised you that would happen. Such an amazing episode. I hope you genuinely enjoyed it as much as I did. If you want to get in touch with these guys, just go to their website. It's probably the best way. It's flowconsciousnessinstitute.com, and I will have that in the show notes as well. You're also welcome to follow them on social media, but that is the best place to get in touch with them. Check out their online courses. They're amazing. It's an easy way to do it from your home or remote, or even better, attend one of their three-day intensive workshops and really get into it and remove all the distractions and really learn this stuff from them because I promise you, once you spend some time with them and get in their heads a little bit, you won't be able to think the same way. So I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, If you enjoyed this, share it with your friends and family and give us a rating on the various podcast platforms. Thanks so much, you guys. Peace.